Welcome to Puritan's Read, reading aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 7 of the Letters of Samuel Rutherford. To Robert Blair, Aberdeen, 7 February, 1637. Reverend and dearly beloved brother, Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ be unto you. It is no great wonder, my dear brother, that you be in heaviness for a season, and that God's will, in crossing your design and desires to dwell amongst a people whose God is the Lord, should move you. I deny not, but you have cause to inquire what his providence speaketh in this to you. But God's directing and commanding will can by no good logic be concluded from events of providence. The Lord sent Paul on many errands for the spreading of his gospel, where he found lions in his way. A promise was made to his people of the Holy Land, and yet Many nations were in the way, fighting against and ready to kill them that had the promise or to keep them from possessing that good land which the Lord their God had given them. I know that you have most to do with submission of spirit, but I persuade myself that you have learned in every condition wherein you are cast, therein to be content and to say, Good is the will of the Lord, let it be done. I believe that the Lord tacketh his ship often to fetch the wind, and that he purposeth to bring mercy out of your sufferings and silence, which I know from mine own experience is grievous to you. Seeing that he knoweth our willing mind to serve him, our wages and stipend is running to the fore with our God, even as some sick soldiers get pay when they are bedfast and not able to go to the field with others. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Isaiah 49, 5. And we are to believe it shall be thus ere all the play be played. The violence done to me and to my flesh be upon Babylon, and the great whore's lovers shall the inhabitant of Zion say, and my blood be upon Chaldea shall Jerusalem say. Jeremiah 51, 35. And behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling to all the people round about when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem, And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. They that burden themselves with it shall be broken in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Zechariah 12, 2-3 
When they have eaten and swallowed us up, they shall be sick and vomit us out, living men again. The devil's stomach cannot digest the church of God. Suffering is the other half of our ministry, howbeit the hardest. For we would be content that our King Jesus should make an open proclamation and cry down crosses and cry up joy, gladness, ease, honor, and peace. But it must not be so. Through many afflictions we must enter into the kingdom of God, not only by them, but through them must we go, and wiles will not take us past the cross. It is folly to think to steal to heaven with a whole skin. For myself, I am here a prisoner, confined in Aberdeen, threatened to be removed to Caithness because I desire to edify in this town and am openly preached against in the pulpits, in my hearing, and tempted with disputations by the doctors, especially by D.B., Dr. Robert Barron. Yet I am not ashamed of the Lord Jesus, his garland and his crown. I would not exchange my weeping for the painted laughter of the 14 prelates. At my first coming here, I took the dorts at Christ and would Forsooth, summon him for unkindness. I sought a plea of my Lord and was tossed with challenges whether he loved me or not and disputed over again all that he had done to me because his word was a fire shut up in my bowels and I was weary with forbearing because I said I was cast out of the Lord's inheritance. But now I see that I was a fool. My Lord miscant all and did bear with my foolish jealousies and miscant that ever I wronged his love. And now he has come again with mercy under his wings. I pass from my, oh, witless summons. He is God, I see, and I am man. Now it hath pleased him to renew his love to my soul and to dot his poor prisoner. Therefore, dear brother, help me to praise and show the Lord's people with you what he hath done to my soul, that they may pray and praise. And I charge you, in the name of Christ, not to omit it. For this cause I write to you, that my sufferings may glorify my royal king and edify his church in Ireland. He knoweth how one of Christ's live coals hath burnt my soul with a desire to have my bonds to preach his glory, whose cross I now bear. God forgive you if you do it not, but I hope the Lord will move your heart to proclaim in my behalf the sweetness, excellency, and glory of my royal king. It is but our soft flesh that hath raised a slander on the cross of Christ. I see now the white side of it. My Lord's chains are all over-gilded. Oh, if Scotland and Ireland had part of my feast! And yet I get not my meat, but with many strokes. 
There are none here to whom I can speak. I dwell in Kedar's tents. Refresh me with a letter from you. Few know what is betwixt Christ and me. Dear brother, upon my salvation, this is his truth that we suffer for. Christ would not seal a blank charter to souls. Courage, courage, joy, joy, forevermore. O joy unspeakable and glorious. O for help to set my crowned king on high. O for love to him who is altogether lovely, that love which many waters cannot quench, neither can the floods drown. I remember you and bear your name on my breast to Christ. I beseech you, forget not his afflicted prisoner. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. To Robert Gordon of Knockbrook, Aberdeen, 9 February 1637. My very worthy and dear friend, grace, mercy, and peace be to you. Though all Galloway should have forgotten me, I would have expected a letter from you ere now, but I will not expound it to be forgetfulness of me. Now, my dear brother, I cannot show you how matters go betwixt Christ and me. I find my Lord going and coming seven times a day. His visits are short, but they are both frequent and sweet. I dare not for my life think of a challenge of my Lord. I hear ill tales and hard reports of Christ from the tempter and my flesh, but love believeth no evil. I may swear that they are liars, and the apprehensions make lies of Christ's honest and unalterable love to me. I dare not say that I am a dry tree or that I have no room at all in the vineyard. But yet, I often think that the sparrows are blessed who may resort to the house of God in Anwith, from which I am banished. Temptations that I supposed to be stricken dead and laid upon their back rise again and revive upon me, yea, I see that while I live, temptations will not die. The devil seemeth to brag and boast as much as if he had more court with Christ than I have, and as if he had charmed and blasted my ministry that I shall do no more good in public. But his wind shaketh no corn. I will not believe that Christ would have made such a mint to have me to himself and have taken so much pains upon me as he hath done, and then slip so easily from possession and lose the glory of what he hath done. Nay, since I came to Aberdeen, I have been taken up to see the new land, the fair palace of the Lamb, and will Christ let me see heaven to break my heart and never give it to me? I shall not think my Lord Jesus giveth a dumb earnest, or putteth his seals to blank paper, or intendeth to put me off with fair and false promises. I see that now, which I never saw well before. 
Number one, I see faith's necessity in a fair day is never known or right. But now I miss nothing so much as faith. Hunger in me runneth to fair and sweet promises. But when I come, I am like a hungry man that wanteth teeth or a a weak stomach having a sharp appetite that is filled with the very sight of meat or like one stupefied with cold under the water that would fain come to land but cannot grip anything cast into him. I can let Christ grip me, but I cannot grip him. I love to be kissed and to sit on Christ's knee, but I cannot set my feet to the ground for afflictions bring the cramp upon my faith. All that I can do is to hold out a lame faith to Christ like a beggar holding out a stump instead of an arm or leg and cry, Lord Jesus, work a miracle. Oh, what would I give to have hands and arms to grip strongly and fold handsomely about Christ's neck and to have my claim made good with real possession. I think that my love to Christ hath feet in abundance and runneth swiftly to be at him, but it wanteth hands and fingers to apprehend him. I think that I would give Christ every morning my blessing to have as much faith as I have love and hunger. At least I miss faith more than love or hunger. Number two, I see that mortification and to be crucified to the world is not so highly accounted of by us as it should be. Oh, how heavenly a thing it is to be dead and dumb and deaf to this world's sweet music. I confess it hath pleased his majesty to make me laugh at the children who are wooing this world for their match. I see men lying about the world as nobles about a king's court, and I wonder what they are all doing there. As I am at this present, I would scorn to court such a feckless and petty princess or buy this world's kindness with a bow of my knee. I scarce now either see or hear what it is that this world offereth me. I know that it is little which it can take from me and as little that it can give me. I recommend mortification to you above anything, for alas, we but chase feathers flying in the air and tire our own spirits for the froth and overgilded clay of a dying life. One sight of what my Lord hath let me see within this short time is worth a world of worlds. Number three, I thought courage in the time of trouble for Christ's sake, a thing that I might take up at my foot. I thought that the very remembrance of the honesty of the cause would be enough. But I was a fool in so thinking. I have much ado now to win to one smile. But I see that joy groweth up in heaven, and it is above our short arm. Christ will be steward and dispenser himself, and none else but he. Therefore, now, 
I count much of one dram weight of spiritual joy. One smile of Christ's face is now to me as a kingdom, and yet he is no niggard to me of comforts. Truly, I have no cause to say that I am pinched with penury, or that the consolations of Christ are dried up, for he hath poured down rivers upon a dry wilderness, the like of me, to my admiration. And in my very swoonings he holdeth up my head, and stayeth me with flagons of wine, and comforteth me with apples. My house and bed are strewed with kisses of love. Praise, praise with me. Oh, if you and I, betwixt us, could lift up Christ upon his throne, howbeit all Scotland should cast him down to the ground. My brother's case toucheth me near. I hope that you will be kind to him and give him your best counsel. Remember my love to your brother, to your wife, and GM. Desire him to be faithful and to repent of his hypocrisy and say that I wrote it to you. I wish him salvation. Write to me your mind, anent C.E. and C.Y. and their wives, and I.G. or any others in my parish. I fear that I am forgotten amongst them, but I cannot forget them. The prisoner's prayers and blessings come upon you. Grace, grace be with you. That was episode seven of the letters of Samuel Rutherford. <laughs>